Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Hope everyone is doing well. Cole Petum here. As always, and of course, we're talking all things Aston Villa with a surprise one-all draw against Manchester City at Villa Park on Saturday. Of course, everyone's hearing this on the Monday, so hop, uh, happy Bank Holiday Monday to, I guess, people in Canada and other places, wherever in the States. I know I think it's a holiday for them, too. And for those that don't have a holiday, sucks to suck. It's a Monday, but hopefully this will brighten your mood just a little bit. But of course, it's not just me talking to myself, because what's the point of that? We do have the returning Simon O'Regan as well. He's come back to us graciously from his um, humble abodes across, uh, I guess you could say, America and Barbados. And he's become a more well-cultured and well-rounded individual. So it's more of a kind of intercontinental opinion coming from this man. But regardless of that, Simon, how are you? (laughs) I'm very good. Thank you. It's a glowing introduction. Um, Yeah, no, I'm I'm really good. I mean, obviously... uh, you mentioned my travels there. They, they, there was a good holiday from a personal point of view, but watching the villa during that holiday wasn't great. So I wasn't, wasn't overly looking forward to, to coming home to watch us play Man City. But, um, yeah, who'd have thought we'd have, we'd have got a point out of that? I don't have a, as Gerard said, I don't think anyone outside the club and I'd, I'd guess deep down, probably a few people within the club didn't really give us a chance of anything yesterday, but. There, you know, football is a crazy sport sometimes. Absolutely. I do have to ask as a Brit coming over to North America and then watching games, what do you make of early kickoffs? Oh, it's ball-like, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you guys do it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not very fun. You get used to it. When you see, like, Villa playing Man City at 12.30 over here in the afternoon, you just think, yes, okay, I can sleep in a little while. Well, I mean, I have a puppy now, so I can't really sleep in. But usually you can sleep in, relax, kind of enjoy your morning, not wake up at 7.30 or something like that. I mean, there's there's pros and cons to it. But regardless, of course, we're here to talk about the draw against Man City, which I, I, I still saying that I, I think I can't process. I was mentally preparing and preparing my FPL team for Man City profitability um brought in holland i don't know why i didn't have him from the start that's probably the dumbest thing why i changed things five minutes for the deadline prior to bournemouth but anyways that's my stupidity he gets a goal happy days thinking okay we're gonna probably see a few more but leon bailey had different ideas i want to say steven gerrard had different ideas was that still to be determined and we'll talk about that very very shortly i'm sure but i mean overall with the result yesterday simon what'd you make of it I mean, well, I mean, I don't think there can be a Villa fan out there that can be disappointed with that result. And to be honest, I don't think you sh- there could be anyone who could be disappointed or annoyed with the performance as well. I think when you're playing against Man City, and especially the run of form that we've been on as well, I think you have to go in with an acceptance that you're not going to have much of the ball. You're going to be under pressure for a lot of the game. And to be fair, I think the Villa fans did appreciate that that was going to be the case. And there was no there was no stage where there was ever 
a case of fans sort of getting on the backs of players for you know not getting out quick enough or stuff like that. I think, I think you appreciate that you've got to you've got to go against maybe what your natural instincts might be and be a bit more compact and accept that you're going to have sustained periods of pressure. And I thought I thought you've got to give credit where it's due. The game plan was absolutely spot on and it was ex- executed pretty much to perfection. Um, so, I mean, like you say, none of us really expected that, especially when when they when City went one and up so early in that second half. You kind of thought, oh, yeah, okay, here we go. There's going to be another few goals coming, and that never did. They had sustained periods of possession within our half the pitch, but I don't. I never really recall any any stage where like we've been peppered with clear cut chances. There was few sort of half chances and you have the De Bruyne free kick that clipped the top of the bar which you know maybe he was just a bit too close to the goal with that been five yards further back I think that's obviously going to the top corner but it's not it's not like it was relentless pressure from Man City in a real backs to the walls job it was it was so it's more half chances and um, I, th- I thought defensively it was, it was an outstanding display for us and as the second half wore on we kind of we we weren't you know creating loads of chances ourselves, but we became a threat, which is what you've got to do. It's all well and good, um, you know, being compact and realizing you're going to have to defend well. But on the occasions you get the ball, you've got to do something with it. And it took us a good sort of half an hour to get to that stage, which is understandable considering how poor we've been. So um, no, you you've got to you just got to take your hat off and and really you know say it's a very very good job well done yesterday. Yeah, and I mean, it kind of starts even with the formation. I mean, there is what, one change yesterday, of course. It was more of a, I would say, a 4-3-2-1. So, you, of course, you had Martinez in goal, uh, Cash on the right, Cons and Mings as centre-back pairing, uh, Digne on the left. And then you kind of had almost three holding midfielders. It's it's Man City, so, of course, you're going to expect that. I would say, of course, again, more so on one side, Dougie Louise on the other, and Kamara kind of sitting in there as the, the ultimate defensive midfielder. And then you had Jacob Ramsey and Leon Bailey almost playing as wingers or attacking kind of midfielders, I guess you could say, more so than anything with Watkins up front. I mean, do you think... I mean, it, it, it's really hard to read in that it's Man City to go into... Leicester or Southampton other games against other teams because I mean really when you're playing your Liverpools and your cities etc etc it's the ultimate test so you might kind of set up a little bit more defensively and you know you're not going to get a lot of the ball so you have to play counter-attacking do you think there's anything to really take from that from yesterday in terms of the setup the formation that style of play because I mean, I've been saying it for probably as long as Jared's been in. We're just not a possession possession side. I feel like we really haven't never truly been even under Dean Smith. We seem to play seem to play, I should say, a lot better on the counter. Seem to actually take our chances better. And it, it's almost like maybe there's that mindset of less time in the ball, less time to really think about what you're going to do. Maybe this is just the set of players we have, and that's what's going to have to work. But kind of going into this game and then going forward, Simon, do you think maybe that's a learning lesson for Gerard? Do you think, you know, this is just Man City, it's it's too hard to tell. Would you even be surprised if he, he switched back to what clearly hasn't been working? Um, yeah, I think it, it, all, it does depend on the opposition that, that you come up against. I mean, I think yesterday the decision to have uh, Ramsey sort of a bit further forward out the left and Bailey under the side. 
I mean, it didn't really happen in the first half, but you could see the idea was that them two are, are quick players and, and can run and carry with the ball, whereas uh, Brendier and Coutinho are more sort of technically gifted players, but are not going to not going to take the ball 30, 40 yards up the pitch at speed for you. So I can see what the thinking was for that. Uh, away at Leicester next weekend, especially with the form that they're in, I, I don't, I, I'd be surprised if you went with them two playing as wide as that again. I, because I think Ramsey actually looks a lot better once McGinn was taken off and he was put back into that midfield alongside Cameron and Louise. Um, but I, I I was I was glad to see that Joanne actually tried to do something, did not actually thought about rather than just blindly going for one of Coutinho or Grandia, who off you can offer great things, but it was nice to see and I hope it's not just a case of he just looked upon it, but he actually did think about it. But it was nice to see that there was some force that had gone into it. Okay, like you know, let's line up with this for this opposition. And then maybe that could be a sign of positivity going forward that he's rather than just sort of uh, blindly sticking to what he wants to do regardless of the opposition, actually a bit of thought about who you're playing against and how best to, to sort of deal with them. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it's tough to really... Only time will tell, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. We'll have to see if he sticks or twists. I mean, there's different kind of factors at play. One, of course, like we said, it's Man City. Two, he's under a lot of pressure and it only grows. Um, I mean, realistically, we didn't expect anything out of this game anyway, so it is, almost is a free hit, and I guess it's a bonus in other ways. Um, but again, it would be looked at completely different and almost even probably 10 times more in a positive manner, even though it already is positive, if we would have got results early in the season, which we would have expected. So there is that kind of perspective. But the one thing for me, Simon, that I thought really changed the game for us in a positive light defensively was Cash coming off, Ashley Young coming on, I mean, the man looked in prime form. I, I almost felt like we looked like a better side when our fullbacks weren't just expressly bombing forward and there wasn't those gaping holes. And you can't really get that with Ashley Young at his age, at this point of his career. Do you think, in your mind, do you think that kind of changed how we approached the game and from a defensive standpoint? Because let's be honest, I mean, Matty Cash was being a run riot and he really had no chance to keep up. And I mean, again, that's a lot of space behind him to cover up. Then you're playing Man City. That's a whole nother level. So I guess in particular, what did you make of Ashley Young yesterday? I thought he was sensational. I think he's his best performance since he's come back to the club. Um, and that that's not just the the performance that he gave it as well, uh, on its own, but in terms of the context of who it was against as well, and coming onto you know coming into the game, not starting it, and it also he's not really he's rarely plays as a right back. Obviously, he's right. Footed, but whenever he's played in a fullback position, more often than not, it is as a left back. And you know they, that doesn't mean that he shouldn't be able to, to play at right back. But it's in, it's not a familiar position for him, and against one of the best teams in the world. And you know he kept Phil Foden pretty quiet. And I mean, I think the uh, the the tackle that led to the Watkins chance in the first half. I mean, De Bruyne had about a five yard head start on him. So I don't know how Ashley <laughs> Young got back to him but then the strength to sort of shrug him off the ball and but then also what was really the most impressive with that was how quickly he fired it into Dougie Louise into the midfield there's no uh, you know let's take stock and go sideways or anything he's on the front foot right this is how if we're going to get a goal against them 
he's, he's got to be on a quick transition and that's he's a, he's a very clever player Ashley Young I mean I know obviously he is getting on you're not you wouldn't want him starting week in week out but things scenarios like yesterday is exactly why it was the right decision to give him a, at least one more year he's physically still fit enough to compete as okay, again maybe not every single week but he's, he's more than capable of doing the job he's a good experienced head and even Towards the, the end of the game, I think sort of the last four or five minutes, there was a couple of occasions where he just won clever little fouls to break up the play or just got himself in the right position just to see the ball out of play. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought he was outstanding yesterday. Yeah, my sentiments exactly. I mean, just it, it's great to see an option come off the bench and it really pays dividends. And I think a lot of people initially think, okay, it's Ashley Young. Um, at the very, very tail end of his career versus a high-flying Man City side. I mean, but that's experience versus kind of his nonsense in some ways. Because, I mean, you're not going to expect him to play there every week, week in, week out. But regardless of that, it's nice to see an option slide in, especially when we, we loan out promising right back. So we think, okay, we're still a little <laughs> short. So are we making the right decision here? But it seems to be paying off. But Simon, I guess the one big surprise, and I feel like a lot of Villa fans, including probably most of the people as part of this uh, podcast, have felt like John McGinn should either be dropped or when he should be substituted, he isn't, and um, Jacob Ramsey makes way or whoever. But Jared made the call in the 65th minute to bring Coutinho on for McGinn. Was that a surprise for you? Because it it was for me, because it feels like, albeit he's the captain now, it's almost made him an untouchable, but... At least for me, it feels like an almost unjustifiable untouchable. It shouldn't matter based on the captaincy, but apparently, even though in my mind he says it doesn't, it seems like it does. Do, do you kind of get what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I do. But then the other thing is, which I didn't realize until um, I saw someone pull out on Twitter, that's I think the fourth game in a row that McGinn has been brought off as well. So it's not like he's just blindly been played every week. Look, John McGinn, I. I've got a lot of time for him. He's done a lot of good things for the club and he's still a good player. You know, he hasn't become a bad player, but there's no doubt that he he hasn't been brilliant for a decent amount of time now. I mean, I, I w- what I would say would be just a caveat to this, most of the Villa players haven't been brilliant for a decent amount of time. So it's <laughs> not a case of, I mean, I'm not singling him out, but it kind of, with the whole sort of Dougie Louise the thing that you know nearly happened with him going you kind of I I don't really get how for the last few weeks you can justify starting McGinn over Louise I think if you've got uh, Cameron now as that sort of proper dedicated hold midfielder if you as I said I think like WhatsApp group after the game yesterday if you're having three in the midfield for me it's got to be Cameron Ramsey and Louise that's got to be the three because McGinn does have a lot of good qualities, but the one thing that he really falls down on compared to Louise, and and I think most of our midfielders do, is Louise can take the ball. He always wants the ball and can take it in a tight position, but he he uses it well as well. He's a good passer of the ball. He keeps hold of it. McGinn can be a bit erratic sometimes. Um, So I I was pleasantly surprised that, that that was the decision that because I suppose he could have quite easily just taken Ramsey off the Coutinho and left that midfield three as it is. But you know he he and you know if you're going to give credit, he recognised that 
Ramsey can be more effective as the game's going on, carrying the ball from a deeper position, and, and that's that's how the goal came. So, again, you know, for for the justified criticism that Gerard's had in recent games, you then have to give credit where it's due and say that he, he got that again absolutely spot on. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, I mean, you do have to give them plot. It's at the end of the day, we can't be completely negative. It is one hell of a result. Um, I mean, would you have loved all three points even more so? I mean, it would probably put that Leon Bailey goal maybe into the Andreas Feynman celebrating in front of the whole 10 kind of um, <laughs> picture that I can't remember. It's my background on my computer right now because I'm not looking. But regardless of that, it's one of those kind of memories. But you do kind of have to sit back and look at it from maybe a wider standpoint too with McGinn and sit back and think, well, basically we've told Dougie Louise that you're not going anywhere. You're a big part of our future, even if it's for the short term, we basically passed up 25 million, which I guess would have been obviously under 20 million by the time you pay what city 20% or whatever it is. So fair enough. Obviously he means more to us in terms of the short term than he does for the money. So that's a good standpoint to have. I'm happy that actually happened. And you know what, if he goes for a free, we wish him all the best. It is what it is. It happens from time to time. At least it's not happening as much as it used to because <laughs> um, <laughs> it happened almost every season. It felt like, but you get into this kind of mindset, like you said, and you would think an ideal, an ideal world is Kamara holding back with, um, Ramsey and of course Dougie Louise and I mean Dougie Louise also offers that kind of extra defensive depth at time I mean he's become a better defensive midfielder when needed not the ideal one but there is that perspective too where Ramsey gives them a little more freedom so we'll have to wait and see I mean we could be talking about this and think you know maybe Gerard's turning a corner and we're starting to see something he's learning his lessons and next mm. week we could just see the same side of that played against Bournemouth and it didn't work so but, but I mean <laughs> with, the, with the point is though as well like I'm not like the Ramsey uh, camera Louise that I'd say is probably the strongest three yeah that doesn't necessarily mean that that has to be the three that has to play every game there are no. going to be certain games and season where you know you'd want McGinn because as as you've already said, he's a good player. He has a lot of good qualities. Um, I think people sometimes can get so like certain fans can get so fixated on a starting eleven and who's in that starting eleven. Yeah, it's he's you know everyone that says it. It is a squad game. The five substitutions rule as well. It's and you you, you look at um 
the England women in the Euros, uh, their whole system it was, it's not the start, it's not just the start of 11, it is literally a, a, it's a 16 uh, game, man game now. So, they, you know, there's, there's nothing, there's, people are, I think can get carried away sometimes at what the starting lineups are. Yeah, I think I think the thing is too is maybe it's something that Jared needs to work on. I mean, that's me saying this from my home. I mean, he's the villa boss and he's getting paid big money to do things. So maybe that's one perspective to put it in. But I feel like it's almost putting you should be putting players in to succeed in kind of the certain circumstances and scenarios where they can. And I feel like we aren't. Maybe that's maybe the biggest kind of gripe a lot of people are having without narrowing it down. Like, I mean it's, it feels like it's been a thousand years consistently of people just bombing out Tyrone Mings or focusing on him, or it could be Konza now, which to be honest, fair enough, he's been exceptionally poor for a good while. But regardless of that, I, I think it's just kind of the tweaks and changes and we can't get too obsessed with it, but let's kind of switch mindsets here really quickly going forward. And we'll get back into the game more so because um, we did have a, um, people reach out in regards to um, their three-word reviews and all that stuff. So we'll, we'll leave that to the end. But we did go on Twitter, or at least I did, I should say. Um, and I just posed a question earlier today. So thank you to everyone that got involved first and foremost. I just kind of put something out saying um, how everyone's feeling heading into the next few games against Leicester and Southampton, and then we'd read a few out. I think there is about four or five responses at short notice. So thank you to everyone again for getting involved. Um, going through those quickly, um, at Tony Beef 32 saying doesn't mean anything unless we went against Leicester City. Um, at the Ben Gross saying love the passion and the game plan, obviously referencing the Man City game. Hopefully we can see good game uh, plans moving forward and let the players go out there and express themselves in attack. Uh, Shendo 007 saying a better, better, a little belief uh, that we can climb up the table if we try things up the villa at Tim Ryan 50 saying optimistic for the time being, hoping it lasts. And uh, part of the pride eight saying, funnily enough, not much different credit where it's due. Uh, we done well yesterday, partly down to Youngie coming on too, as we of course talked about earlier. Uh, he continues to say, but everybody steps it up for City, but that's still not Villa's identity sorted. That needs to be found pretty sharpish. And I ended with that one for a reason, not only because it was the last comment on the on the screen, but it's the one I wanted to actually hone in on Simon because he does make a good point. Everyone typically tries to step up their level against the big sides like City, but that's not necessarily our identity sorted yet. So I, I guess in an ideal world, if we could build what we think Villa's identity should be under Steven Jared right now with the players we have, I mean, this is probably putting you under the bus massively, <laughs> but regardless of that, what do you think that would consist of for you? I mean, it doesn't have to have the same even ethos that he has, but given this squad, what do you think it should look like? Uh, it should be, we should be ahead of a lot more creative than we have been because I'd say out, you look at the, the forward options like Ings, Watkins, Coutinho, Brendia, Bailey. Outside sort of top six, I don't think there's there's much better than that that the other teams have got as an overall sort of package of a front line. So they there needs there needs to be ahead of a lot more creativity. But the biggest the biggest issue with that is getting the ball to those forward players, and that's that's where the 
selection in midfield is 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 the biggest thing that that needs to be solved. And you know, as we've already said now a few times, for me, be Cameron, Louise, and Ramsey of what we've got available is probably most likely to be able to to get that ball down and playing. But I think we just at, for the short term we sort of need to go back a bit to how we did when Gerard first came at the start of last season, just just get back to being solid, have a solid base to build from. And once you can get that solidity, then you can start to to move to rectify that sort of creative issue. But it's um I mean, yeah, as as uh, that last comment said, everyone steps up against City. Fact is we we just haven't been good enough against teams that, that we really should do and it's it's no it's no good Gerald's coming out after some of those games. I think it's after the West Ham game where He's kind of said, you know, we we did okay, but we just weren't creative enough. But well, that's that's it's not good enough. It's not a good enough excuse for the manager to just say we need to be more creative. Like there needs to be a plan of how to get those creative players on the ball and in positions to do something. So yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> no, it does. It, it definitely does. Like I mean, we can all sit there and kind of have our own opinions, but you do bring up a really good point that I wanted to bring up too. Um, so thank you for that. Cause it makes my job a lot easier, but it is just getting back to basics. Like you look at when Jared initially came in, it was very basic football. It was supporting your strikers, keeping the, the forward line somewhat tight to the midfield, somewhat tight to the defense and just kind of being in unison. And I felt like shortly after that, then we moved on to kind of developing the fullback game and bombing them forward. that worked for two seconds and then it didn't work. And then it kind of did again. And then we started tweaking a few other things that started to work. And near the end of the season, it just kind of evidently, unfortunately, it seems like it, everything kind of gets found out a little bit too easily under Gerard, which it is what it is. It's a, at the end of the day, he is still a very young manager and still is learning a lot. And I feel like that's what we're paying for at this point in time, as frustrating as it is. But I mean, when I look at it and what I think it is going back to basics, it's establishing kind of, the roots to the game what we think we need out of the side and like you said we should be a hell of a lot more creative with the players we have but we should also be able to support the midfield comfortably support the strikers comfortably and not really have to worry there's enough talent there I think evidently it's just kind of structuring them in the most basic circumstances for them to succeed Mm -hmm. and we haven't been doing that so I mean there's going to be at the end of the day a way that Jared wants to play and unfortunately probably a way that seems like it's going to work whether those two come together I guess is going to be the ultimate one we'll see probably by the international break because if we've lost both um, I would not be shocked if we see another uh, mm. statement. <laughs> yeah, well, also the, the, the two games after the international breaks, the next four, I think, is Leicester, Southampton, Leeds, Nottingham Forest. Massive. Like, yeah, I mean, three of them are away from home, which is, isn't great. It's really not been great away from home so far this season. But, I mean, what you'd be wanting at the absolute bare minimum seven points from those four games I didn't well, even say nine to be honest well, yeah I mean that's just like it's an absolute absolute bare minimum yeah nine really you should be looking at, especially you look at Leicester away next that that game is huge because they've had a dreadful start to the season and I think Leicester I think they're in real real danger of going down this year because he's just not going right there but if we don't go and take, if we don't build on that result now and take advantage of, as obviously they got hammered at Brighton today. 
I, I, I think that that has now become a massive, massive game. Well, I mean, we do play teams struggling into, I shouldn't say form, but we at least give them some <laughs> kind of a charitable result. Of course, West Ham are still struggling um, a little bit below us, but I mean, it is right looking into Leicester here quickly. I mean, I do feel bad for their fan base because you went from the highest of highs, Champions League nights, and now I shouldn't say there isn't that investment, but they're trying to kind of get things under wraps for financial fair play, which is fair enough. But I mean, I think I read some stat before we jumped on here that uh, their keeper, uh, I think it's Danny Ward, concedes 2.7 goals a game or something like that. The amount of the shot rate, like it's just, they've went from Fofana in defense to, I mean, you might as well put Wes Morgan back there, who's probably 40. <laughs> And maybe that'll kind of give some sentimentality to some past success. But um, yeah, th- that that's an obvious one. I mean, you go into Forest or Southampton, I should say, next. And you don't know if you're going to smash them or it's going to be the other way around. Forest, I have no clue what to expect there. And the list kind of goes on and on. But yeah, you, you have to start picking up wins now. But uh, Simon, let's go over to the three word reviews. And like I was saying to you pre-recording, there's like 90 of them and I haven't actually looked at any of them. So (laughs) hopefully I'll read out uh, ones that are age appropriate for everybody. But regardless of that, of course, you can tweet us post-match at 7,500. The usually goes out, I'd say anywhere between five to 15 minutes post-match. And you can have your say. It's nice, quick, and easy. and doesn't really take anyone a lot of time. So I feel like that's why people enjoy it. So hopefully... We can read some of yours out if you're listening. We'll start with uh, Adam Holt saying, what a performance. Um, let's see here. At AVSC Goat, robbed yet again. We'll we'll get on to the Coutinho thing next um, before we wrap things up because I almost forgot about it. Uh, James Burt, fight, passion, commitment. Um, Al Cook, bloody good effort. Uh, Jazz Singh, VR is corrupt. Uh, Sunny S must beat Leicester. Uh, Chris saying best winger worldwide. I'm assuming <laughs> that's in regards to uh, Leon Bailey. Um, actually, Simon, have you seen the video of Leon Bailey doing a freestyle rap? Yes, I have. Uh, okay, I, I just <laughs> saw was, that this uh, morning. I mean, uh, it wasn't quite as good as your rapping, but it was a decent effort. Well, the, the biggest shame that no one will unfortunately ever hear in their ears is my uh, Fresh Prince Bel Air remake that I forgot to do at the start of the season. <laughs> I don't know if it's still on my phone, so maybe I'll save it for the end of the, the season. But regardless of that, that's uh, something that I'm sure most people will not be looking forward to or will unsubscribe. So maybe I'll I'll keep that off here. But kind of continuing with these, uh, Daniel Doddley saying shafted by officials. Uh, let's do three more. Why not? Um, at Haroon underscore 62, effort, fight, proud. Mr. P saying what just happened. I still don't know, to be honest <laughs> Um, who I pronounced your name right because I remember last season I said something that sounded very bad so I'm, I'm happy I did the <laughs> basics there um, <laughs> let's scroll to the very bottom and finish with uh, Matt Burton very lovely way to say it Ashley Bloody Young and I think yeah. that's a good way to leave it because for me um, we'll, we'll get to man the matches but he's definitely a contender for that for the very most part but Let's backtrack here. This one's all over the place as I haven't, I literally haven't hosted in a few weeks. So I'm just kind of getting back into this and Simon has another podcast later. So we're just easing him back in as well. But I mean, Simon to, to kind of go on to a weekend of VAR controversy, we had it against West Ham. They came out and they said they got it wrong. 
Um, I think I read something on the BBC earlier where they've kind of acknowledged that it was wrong as well. And it wasn't offside for uh, Coutinho's effort. I guess you could say, I mean, let's be realistic. It wasn't an offside movement. Coutinho had it, but the Man City defenders kind of gave up with the play well before he shot it. So what did it even went in? I mean, it's all to be debated, but what did you kind of make of that whole passage of play or mess of a play, I guess you could say, from an officiating standpoint? Well, it's just, it's a, it's another cock-up in a long line of refereeing cock-ups. I mean, I I get the point that you, you, can't, you can't guarantee uh, and say for sure what would have happened. Personally, I think he would have still got the shots off because I think he'd already got away from Mares, who was closest to him before the referee blew the whistle. But, you know, Edison didn't really make a proper attempt to save it. And I think, uh, I think he got a little nick off the Man City defender who he's putting his arms up to try and stop the ball anyway because the referee blowing his whistle. So, yeah, you, you can't 100% say whether it would have been a goal or not. But it's just, it's you know, the whole line, you, you're told that linesmen are told to wait, you know, to put their, their flag up if, if it's a tight one. I don't actually even think it's a tight call. He looks a mile on size, regardless. I know he's only probably about half a yard, but it, it looked so obviously that he was on size. You just, you kind of, it was a really, really baffling one. I mean, let's be honest, so it's not the first, you know, dodgy offside call that we've had in the game against Man City. We all remember the, uh, the goal a couple of years ago when I think it was Rodrigo came from oh, off, yes. or Rodri came from 20 yards offside and the, the next day they decided to change the, the offside law because they fucked it up so badly so it, it's just the standard of refereeing is is shocking and you know we do this this weekend alone there's, there's been some there's been some really poor ones I mean uh, the Manuel Arsenal game uh, today as well, I think Arsenal had a goal disallowed. That to put them one nil. Oh, the which, Odegaard foul or it, something. Yeah. yeah, it's not a foul. That's just not a foul. But it's I don't know. It's it's there's just you kind of you always get bored sort of talking about it because nothing ever changed. Everyone pundits and players come out and managers come out every single weekend. It's team saying you know, this decision was a joke. Something needs to be done. Nothing ever gets done. So it's, yeah, that, that, that was frustrating, but it's not, it's not one way, like you can 100% say that's a definite goal. That's wrong. You're being disallowed because the ref blew before he took the shot on. So it was a frustrating one, but I'm not, you know, I, I think we're nitpicking here. We let's just be happy with the points. <laughs> yeah, we we should have won five one Simon. I mean, that, that, that's what it comes down to. But um, no, it has been a weird weekend. Like I quickly was. Uh, I mean, no one really cares probably about my um, life out of this podcast. But I, I was doing some cleaning and I had the Brighton Leicester game on, and I think it was two all at that point. And then I heard that I think no, I think it was the tr- the Trussard one where they looked at it like five times to see if it was offside or something. But like, I saw it once and you could easily see it was literally a foot onside. It's just, there's, we've almost gotten to a point where we wanted something in the game to look at offsides and stuff so badly that now we're overanalyzing just for the sake of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it has gotten to that point, unfortunately, but um, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, let's... Uh, Let's actually, before we wrap things up, I should say, let's get over to our match balls, man, the matches, whatever you want to call them. 
So Simon, I'll throw you under the bus first so I can figure out what I'm going to say next. Who is your <laughs> man of the match? <laughs> uh, well, I think there was some, there was a number of, of good performances. Obviously, Tony Martinez didn't, didn't make any saves that you would say were like especially outstanding, but considering the poor performance against Arsenal from himself in midweek to bounce back and keep us in the game, was good. I, I thought Tyro Mings actually was, was excellent yesterday. I mean, Haaland's a world-class player and a world-class footballer is going to get the best of you on a few occasions. But in the main, I actually thought Mings dealt with him pretty well and kept him as quiet as it's possible to keep someone like Haaland. Uh, Camera, I thought, was excellent. He's one of those sort of defensive midfielders that you, some people you may not necessarily see exactly what he does, but just a little break, breaking up the play and even just giving away clever sort of niggly fouls, but in such a way that he's not getting himself booked for doing them. It was quite impressive. But uh, no, I'm a man of match. It's got to be the uh, the old fellow we've already talked about. The one, the one person I can call old and actually be true is uh, <laughs> Ashley Young. I, I thought he was, yeah, as we've already said, I, I thought he was absolutely outstanding when he came on and kept Phil Foden in his back pocket all game, which is some achievement. So, yeah, Ashley Young. Fair enough. Um, I have to give a special kind of a shout-out to Emmy Martinez, who I think a lot of people were a little frustrated with how we conceded that goal. I mean, albeit De Bruyne's class, and you just have to kind of hold your hand up and say that was just a fantastic chip to even find Holland there. Um, some of the saves he made to keep us in it. That's what you want. That's what we paid for. And it's nice to see that kind of coming to fruition because it feels like it just hasn't as of late. So special mention to him, but we're just going to make it unanimous. It is Ashley Young. I am still waiting for one last Ashley Young screamer before he does leave Villa retire or whatever he does come the end of the season. Yeah. We, we just need to see it one more time, that kind of curl in from wherever angle, I don't care what angle, I just want it to go in. It's it's like when I wanted Keenan Davis to score, and then I think he scored against Fulham in the lockdown days, I think it was. I think it was Fulham. Um, uh, it's West Brom. West Brom, West okay. Brom. Yeah. I was so happy for the guy. I, I just felt like Christmas yeah. for some reason. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I'm still looking for Nakamba to score too, but that's never going to happen at yeah. this rate. But, uh, I, yeah. I also, just a quick shout-out well to, to Wally Watkins. I thought he had a really difficult job especially for the first hour in that game where we didn't have a lot of the ball yeah. but I thought Bob I think there was one occasion towards the end of the game where he he didn't hold it well he gave it away to Rodri and he put it just wide but I, I thought Watkins did a really good job in keeping hold of the ball getting us up the pitch when he could and winning free kicks because that is not an easy task is, when you think of how isolated he was especially for the first part of that game. So I was, I thought he did a really good selfless task for the team. Yeah, I think there was a, I can't remember if it was the first or second half, but I'm pretty sure he literally had to hold on to the ball for a good 10 to 15 seconds to wait for anybody to come support him. <laughs> and when you're dealing with the likes of Man City's defenders, that that is not an easy task. So <laughs> more than fair enough when you're on your own island up there for most of the game. So absolutely. Would I have liked to seen him give a few more chances? Yes, but at the end of the day, we will take a draw. But anyways, guys, we'll, we'll wrap things up there. We've definitely went on more than long enough. Um, hopefully, we should be back for a preview for the Leicester game next weekend. 
Um, hopefully Seb can bring that to us. I'll, I guess I'll have to arrange something with him, but regardless of that, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Simon, for joining me. If you want to find him on Twitter, it's at Cy O'Regan. See Simon, even after a month, I still know your Twitter handle by heart. Um, that's Very how good. much I care for you. Um, <laughs> of course you can find me, Cole Pedham on Twitter at talk Aston Villa, tweet the team at 7,500 to Holt email the podcast holtcast at gmail.com we'll leave it there and of course don't forget about the villa here's a cool fact A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.